It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, as Romans chapter 10, verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. But during my time, you all, this week at the home going, I had a chance to, in the parking lot, in the hallway, here in the sanctuary, just have some moments with members that literally I have not physically seen in over a year. Can you imagine having a family member that you have not literally physically laid eyes on in 12 months or so? And as I connected with them, sometimes it was so joyous and almost unbelievable, the excitement and the gratitude that were in both of our hearts for being able to connect. But then this is what happened that it kind of hit me in my spirit. I don't use words like that much. Several times, not just one, not just two, not just three, not just four, several times as I met with members of our church, this is what I heard. I lost a grandmother. I lost an aunt, my favorite aunt that raised me. I lost a nephew. My family pastor is falling apart. My son is no longer uh, doing what he should. He's back out in the streets. Someone else said, I'm holding on by a thread. And this is what they said. They said, Pastor, I need to come to church. I, I need to be in the fellowship. I need to be in the house of God. And I want to say to each of you that are experiencing that, and some of you all, again, who may feel that way but can't express it, it is no, it is no desire of mine nor any of our leadership that we don't want to come together. We want desperately to come together. But, but you do know, any, any of you that do know us, that we want to ensure that when we come together that we're not putting you at risk, we're not putting a loved one who may have compromised immune systems or may be elderly at risk just because we really need to see each other. And so I just don't want any of you who are hurting right now and any of you all that are going through some of the darkest times and you miss that hug and you miss that smile to feel as though we are not connected with you and that we do not love and care about you. Indeed. We need each other. And so just hold on a little while longer. I believe with all of my heart that God's grace will be upon our country and world, that these vaccinations, that other mitigation strategies will work so that we will be able to come back together into the house of God. But in the meantime, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your marriage. I want to pray for your children. I want to pray for your health. 
I want to pray that your family doesn't fall apart. I want to pray that your soul is encouraged and that you don't let the enemy bring you into depression. I want to pray that whatever obstacle, whatever mountain is in the way, that God would move it. So would you join with me? Would you join your faith with mine this morning? And would you know that we have a God that is able to work it out? No, we can't be together. We have a God that is never, ever going to leave you, never going to forsake you. He's with you always, even to the end of the age, the Bible says. So, and I don't do this, it's not weird, but you know that if we were together, I would touch and agree with you. If we had a prayer line after church, you know I would grab you by the hand, I would maybe lay hands on you, I would pray. So even if you feel as though, Pastor, I, I wish I had a touch, and I, I don't even believe in this, like I would see preachers do it and say, that's so strange. But maybe you could just put your hand on the phone, extend your hand towards the computer, and just as a, a point of contact and agreement, we're going to believe that every spirit that has tried and is trying to discourage, overwhelm, and destroy you that God would literally cast every demon spirit down so let's pray together father in the name of Jesus thank you for another Sunday another opportunity another privilege that we have as your body to gather together virtually no we're not in the same room but we have a God that is not limited to time nor space so God in the name of Jesus I want to thank you for those who we call the citadel of faith church family I thank you for those, God, whose heavy hearts don't seem to be getting any lighter. I thank you for those who are watching, and even though they're watching, their families, God, are spinning out of control. Their marriages are in trouble. Their finances are funny. They're going through so much. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would lift up every bowed down head. God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would heal every sick body. You're able to do it. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring families that the enemy is trying to destroy. God, bring them back together. And would you allow the Christian in the house who may be tired, but would you give her, would you give him strength to believe for the family? Because sometimes it's that one person whose prayers and faith can change the trajectory of what's going on in the house. So God, would you encourage her? Would you encourage him to hold on and pray and fast and trust God? And then, God, we thank you so much for those who are grieving that you would be the arms of comfort and the arms of support in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Oh, God, we pray right now for you to do in the lives of your people only what you can do. God, you're able to do it. And so, God, we don't wait to see it to shout. We don't wait to see it to give you the glory. But we are like the people in the scriptures who by faith call those things that be not as though they already have happened. So by faith, the family's together. By faith, the marriage is healed. By faith, the finances are right. By faith, the healing has broken forth in our bodies. By faith, God, you've turned it around. And so we give you glory and we give you honor. And we give you praise even in advance for what we believe you're even starting to do right now. And it's in the name that comforts, the name that heals, the name that encourages, the name that sustains and provides, the name that brings back together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone that believed that said amen and amen and amen. Oh, wherever you are, would you give him praise? Oh, come on, someone. Wherever you are, put your hands together and give him praise. Hallelujah. What a mighty God. What a mighty God.
Let me tell you something. As we get ready for our band to lead us in worship, I want you to know that no matter who is not able to physically be there for you, God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Amen. just so appropriate right in that space right in that moment that we're in to once again reiterate to each of you that are watching and experiencing this with us that there's no greater name to call I don't know have you ever reached out to someone in a time of struggle conflict trouble and maybe they weren't there, maybe they couldn't be there, it could be a whole lot of dynamics, but you, you reached out for help and it just seemed like you couldn't find it the way that you needed it. When you call on the name of Jesus, he's, he's a present help, a present help in time of need. And so I just want to say, and I feel this so heavy today, is pastor. I feel like there's a pastoral weight on me today. Maybe it's the conversations I had this week at the home going. But for those of you that are hurting, Jesus cares. For those of you that feel unbelievably and frighteningly alone, Jesus cares. For those of you that are carrying the weight seemingly of the world on your shoulders, Everyone's leaning on you, right? Jesus cares. I just want you to take a moment wherever you are in whatever space you are in, if you're able to safely do it, to just take a moment and just say to Jesus, Jesus, I trust you. I need you to, I need you to audibly say it. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I need you. In that simple act that you've done, you have invited the king of kings, the one whose kingdom will never fail. You've invited him into your situation. And you know what? I, I wish I could tell you that it would change today. I'm not one of those type of preachers that says if you do something, it'll just change today. I wish I could tell you it would change this week or maybe this month can't predict how and when and in what way things might alter but can I tell you what I can promise you that when you called on his name Jesus is with you and if he's with me and if he's with you in the midst of whatever it is Jesus with me is better than me being in it without him and so what a comfort today right Hallelujah. 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 Let's pray together. God, that is our declaration. That's our prayer. That you who have so graciously decided to make us, to make us your dwelling place. No longer in buildings made of stone, no longer in tents in the wilderness, but now your Holy Spirit dwelling in us. 
the song says, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Not with a begrudged heart, not with ingratitude, but with thanksgiving. What a privilege and what an honor. And so, God, we pray today that you would do what you always do, which you let your word speak to us, that we may learn more about your will and your way, that we would be equipped, God, to be able to give an answer to our faith and what we believe, but that, God, it would also encourage us. We honor and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. So grateful for our band, for our worship today. Revelation chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. I'm reading from the New International Version. It may read differently than the translation that you have. Revelation 12 and 7 says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, time and a half, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. I want to talk from the subject. If I were at church today, I would tell you to turn to your neighbor. Listen, I don't know who's in your house. I don't know who you might be uh, in the crib with. But if you all are watching together, turn to somebody in your house. It just said, neighbor, do you know the dynamic trio? Uh -huh. The dynamic trio, the dynamic trio. Any of you all that have been around me for any length of time know my love 
for superheroes and particularly my uh, my deep affection for Batman. Uh, and you all, Batman is not just a solo character, but Batman has a sidekick. He's really a ward that Bruce Wayne took in to uh, kind of help along the way. And this ward became uh, literally his partner in fighting against crime. And they are called the dynamic duo. Uh, but you all, I believe that in this text today, we will find a dynamic trio. We'll find three ingredients, three particular things that the scripture says that we are able to overcome the enemy by. You all, we are in a real battle with spiritual forces. Let me say that again. We are in a real battle with spiritual forces. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He says, our fight or our wrestling is never against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. Instead, our real fight is against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Many of us, you all, believe that the current situations that we're wrestling with, the fights that we're having with people, the fights that we're having with systems, the fight that we're having uh, with some of the things that are happening around us, we believe that we're really fighting those people. We believe that we're really fighting those systems. But I came to say, you all, that there is a spiritual force behind people's actions. There are spiritual forces behind systems. And if we're not careful, you all, we will make our battle with the wrong thing. Amen. I brought my amens with me. Uh, If you're not careful, you will believe that your real fight is with a person or your real fight is with people or your real fight is with the government or with the man or whoever it is. And the real fight, you all, is honestly with what this text calls the accuser of the brethren. You are the enemy of God, Satan. We've already talked about him a lot now. Uh, Satan is a fallen angel. He was one of those entities created like the rest of the angelic host, made by God for the purpose of worshiping God. But the moment came where Satan said to himself, why can't I make a name for myself? And why can't I place my throne above that of God's? And the moment that Satan decided to become more than God, God kicked him out of heaven and literally put him out of the graces of heaven's protection. The moment that that happened, you all, the Bible says that he became what we now know, listen, to be the prince of the power of the atmosphere. Satan, the enemy of God, is the prince of the power of the air. Now listen, Satan is not equal to God. There's not like God in one corner and Satan's in the other corner. He's still a fallen angel. He's not anywhere on the par of God, can't create anything. He's a fallen angel. However you all, he has very specific purposes. He has very specific powers and he has very specific authority. And one of his roles, he has so many, one of his, he comes to kill, he comes to steal, he comes to destroy. The enemy of God, he's doing a whole lot of things. But one thing that he comes to do, you all, is to stand in God's presence and to accuse you. I want you to look at Zechariah. Now, I know I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures today, so I need you to go with me. Zechariah uh, chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3, 
in, in this particular text, you all, I am, I, every time I look at it, I'm just amazed at uh, how the enemy of God continues, no matter how much we love God and no matter what we do for God, the enemy of God continues to try to stop you from being what God wants you to be. And look what it says, uh, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Watch this now. And Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. What does the devil do? The devil actually goes before God, listen, and accuses you before God. God. I know some of y'all may not understand that. You may not believe it. Uh, well, turn with me to one more text. Job chapter 1. I need you to see this now because this is very important. Job chapter 1. Everybody turn to this because you really need to hear this. This might change your life. I don't say that much about stuff, but this may change your life. All right. Jo- Job chapter uh, 1, starting at verse 6. I want you to look at it. Job chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. Now that makes sense, right? The angels of God, we're in heaven. Heaven's got angels. That makes sense. The angels are coming before the Lord. All right, look at what it says. And Satan also came with them right? Wait a minute. I thought God kicked Satan out of heaven. Yes, he kicked Satan out of heaven as his home, but he, watch this now, but he continued to give Satan access to heaven. Why did he do that? Well, he's God. He chose to do it. He, he, He let it happen. Watch this now. So the angels are coming to present themselves before God, and guess who came with them? Satan. Verse 7, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Now, you know when God asks a question, he's not asking a question because he doesn't know the answer. God is, God is omniscient. Yeah, he's, he's really wanting us to get an understanding of the, of the goings and the, uh, the, the routes that Satan takes. Where, where are you coming from? Look what he says. From roaming through the earth, going back and forth in it. There's another text that he says, I've been going to and for the, for, through the earth, looking whom I may devour, seeking whom I may devour. Let me just say this. Satan's job is to go to and fro throughout the earth, going back and forth through it, trying to find someone that he can destroy, someone that he can hurt. Because guess what? Since God hurt him, he wants to hurt God. And what can hurt God more than God's most prized creation, you and me, being under Satan's control and finally being decimated by the enemy. So he, he's standing before God and he's answering God's question. He says, I've been going to and fro, back and forth in the earth. Watch this now, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, watch this now, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one in earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. This has been a cataclysmic shifting scripture for me. Because every time I've read the story of Job, you want to talk about somebody whose life is messed up. Job lost everything, lost his career, lost his job, lost his family. They died. They didn't get sick. They died. His kids, all of them died died. Job lost his health. He lost his friends. His wife said, curse God and die. He was alone. But how did all that happen? I used to hear that stuff be like, oh man, the devil is a bad guy. He's really wrong. Well, here's the question. How did the devil find out about Job? God said to Satan, where are you? Where you been going? I've been looking for who I could turn my focus on and I could hurt. And God says, hey, Have you thought about Job? He really loves me. 
Wow. Listen, I don't know about you, y'all. That is a seismic shift in the way that I view Satan's attacks. Because most of us believe that once Satan attacks us, it's because God has forgotten us. The moment that the enemy unleashes all hell against us, it must mean that God's providence and God's protection is not for us. But in this text, we see that God, watch this now, God decided to inform the devil about a servant who had decided to do his best for God. Have you thought about Job? He loves me the most. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Verse 9, does does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not (coughs) put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? Notice he's actually giving the the points about what he's going to. Have you put a hedge around him, around his household, around everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. He says, but now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will curse you to your face. And this is what he did. God was bragging on him. Have you thought about my servant Job? Uh, what an upright man. He says, Satan says, well, of course he's upright. He's upright because he has everything. Strike everything that he loves. Take his health. Take his job. Take his career. Take his family. Let him be alone. And this is what Job would do. Job will curse you to your face. The Lord said, Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power. Know this, the devil can't have any power that God does not allow him to have. Everything that he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. On his soul, do not touch it. And he went out from the presence of the Lord. So you all, here's the text that explains to us, watch this now, and it's just one snapshot. Uh, We talked about in Zechariah, right, how Satan was there to accuse, and but now we see right here in this text, Satan coming before God, and Satan, and even in this example, trying to accuse, trying to dialogue with God about your destiny. You all, many of us don't know, but the enemy of God is real, and the realm of the spirit is, is, just, is, is just as real as the realm of the natural. Now listen. Everything that has been made has been made from that that has not been made. (laughs) Everything that has been created has been created from the one who was not created, right? In the beginning, God. God, listen, there was no beginning before God. God made the beginning, right? God didn't have a beginning because God always was. And so when everything that exists came into existence, it came from God. God. Now hear me hear me well now. Which means that every natural thing that we experience, it actually starts in the spirit, right? It starts in the realm of the unseen, and then it moves to the realm of the seen. Any, any, anything that we have, uh, ex- listen, these drums, and just it started in a thought. It started with a design, right? It started in the unseen before it became the seen. And so it is with our lives. Many of the things that we are experiencing, they are not just tangible. They're not just natural, but they are spiritual in origin. So, Pastor, what in the world does that have to do with the text that we're in? I'm so glad you asked. Go back to Revelation, uh, if you don't mind, uh, chapter 12, and let's walk through this so that we can see uh, the the, the saliency of this. It says in verse 7, then war broke out in heaven. You all, what an amazing statement to me. 
Because up to this point, you all, we have never seen nor have any biblical reference to there ever being a war breaking out in heaven. You all, up to this point, you all, uh, Satan has had access. Satan has had free access to the throne of God, limited now, not having the authority to live there, not having the authority to dwell there, but yet and still being given access to come and to accuse the brethren. But now that the book of Revelation uh, is unfolding, we're now seeing the ending of some things. We're now getting ready, you all, to see the end. Listen now. The end of Satan's access to God. It's over with now. He was already cast down in position from heaven, but now he's going to be cast out in entirety from heaven. He will not have any ability to be in the presence of God. He will no longer have access to God because now God is getting ready to cast him down. So there was a war that broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Michael, you all, is one of the archangels of God. As a matter of fact, you all, we will find a lot of examples for that. I don't, if those that are taking notes, write this down. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13 says, Michael, one of the chief princes. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, where Michael, the great prince, protects the people of Israel. Daniel chapter 10, verse 21, there is no one with me who contends against these princes except Michael, your prince. As a matter of fact, one time Daniel was praying and, and the prayers didn't get answered. And he said, why didn't the prayers get answered? Did God hear me? And the archangel Michael said, God heard you the moment that you prayed, but I had to go and fight against the spirit that was hindering your prayer. Listen to me very well. You are, when we're praying that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you better know that there's a lot of battle and a lot of fighting happening between your desire and heaven's desire. There is a war that's happening in the unseen. And you are in this text now, we see a war literally breaking out in heaven. And Michael, the archangel, what does the archangel mean? It means one who has a battalion of angels behind him. Michael is the chief angel. Listen, you all, I pray that we change our view and our mindset of what angels look like like and what angels are. Remember Valentine's Day, they got little angels with little wings, little bitty fat chubby babies, and they be shooting little stuff. These are angels, little bitty angels. No, 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 no. You better believe angels are not little bitty cute little babies with little wings. Angels are warring spirits. Angels are huge in stature. Angels wield swords. Uh, angels, listen, angels have the ability to command hosts, which means tens of thousands of thousands of angels that will follow the command of these archangels and literally whatever God's will is the angels of God swoop to perform it as a matter of fact some angels are ministering angels or I feel the Holy Ghost when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane tears flowing like blood from his head the Bible says and God sent angels to minister to him you better know that there's some angels that God has sent to you and nobody else may call you but God has sent an angel to you he watches over you he watches over your children he watches over your destiny. He protects you when you're not protecting yourself. And these are not weak little mealy mouth people. These are spiritual giants that are sent by God to watch you and keep you in all of your way. The Bible tells us that there was a war that broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the enemy, fought against the dragon. But 
the dragon and his angels fought back. You better believe that the devil ain't going to let go easy. You better believe that the devil's not going to let go of his grip of your life easily. Why is this so difficult? Because the devil don't want to let go. Why is it so hard? I prayed yesterday. I thought my prayers would have changed everything. You better know that there's a war going on. A war for your soul. A war for your mind. A war for your destiny. A war for your calling. A war for the reason that you're here. And the enemy's not going to let go lightly. There was a war. It said angels of God fought, but it says also the devil and his angels fought back. But look at verse, oh, I feel it. Look at verse 8. But he was not strong enough. Hallelujah. There was a fight in the heavens and the devil fought back. But when it came down to the get down, the devil was not strong enough. I came to tell you that I know you're in the fight of your life. I know that the enemy's been on your trail. I know that it seems overwhelming. And I know that it seems like the odds are stacked against you. But I came to tell you that if you've got God on your side, you've got an angelic host that is with you. And if an angelic host is with you, the devil might be fighting back but guess what he is not strong enough he doesn't have the kind of power that God has he doesn't have the kind of authority that God has and it may look like you're losing right now and it may look like you're not making it right now but God's power is greater than that of the enemy he was not strong enough and they lost their place <laughs> in heaven. The devil thought he was bad. The devil thought he was bad. he's been sashaying up in front of God's presence all this time. Acu listen, accusing you, accusing you before God. Let me read the next verse. I, I, I could go on. The, that great dragon <laughs> was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil, lest you get confused about what the dragon is and the terminology in Revelation becomes confusing to you. I'm so glad that the revelator helped us to see it. that great dragon, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. There's no more ambiguity about who we're talking about. Call him dragon, call him snake, call him serpent, uh, call him the devil. What does he do? What is his mission? He leads the whole world astray. What is his mission? Satan's mission has been and always has been and is now, listen, to lead the whole world astray, to take us off the path. You all, I am deeply concerned about people living in their truth. I'm just living in my truth. That's my truth. That's my truth. Now, I don't know what you believe. That's your truth. You have your truth. And I, how, how can you have your truth and then I have my truth? That means that there is no truth. If they, listen, if your truth doesn't line up with my truth and our truths don't line up with their truths, the question is, what is the truth? And I believe with all of my heart, the devil's uh, plan is to move people away from any absolute truth. Because if you have absolute truth, then you have to line up with what that truth is. But when truth is selective and subjective, and there is no absolute, then it means whatever your truth is, you can make right. That is why <laughs> this I'm living in my truth thing is against the Bible. Because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. Nobody, listen, nobody can come to God lest they come through the truth. 
And it ain't your truth. It's the truth. But the Bible says, you all, listen now. What is, the, what is the devil's job? To lead the whole world astray. That's his job. But now, you all, he's been hurled out of heaven. He was hurled to the earth. And his angels with him. So now, you all, the devil, who is up to this point in human history, every era of human history, Satan has had the right by God to come before God and to accuse you, to accuse you before God. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, do I want to do, I want to read that scripture now. Do I want to do that? Eh, nah, I think I won't. All right, so here it is. Now God has cast him down to the earth, and now a new era is getting ready to happen in heaven because heaven, for the first time, has a Satanless heaven. <laughs> God is getting ready to remove Satan off the scene altogether. Um, have you ever had somebody in your life that became increasingly less important? <laughs> I, let, let, let me read it. Have you ever had anybody in your world, in your orbit, that became increasingly less important, right? Um, and, and then they start getting um, uh, desperate for your attention? to try to get you, back, get you back in their orbit the way that they were before. Well, you all, Satan has had unparalleled access to God, and now for the first time in his existence since the fall, when God kicked him out the first time, he has been permanently, permanently removed from heaven. Then I, verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. He says, now, watch this now, now where the world thought that God wasn't running it, now when the world thought that Satan was in charge, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm my own, you know. Now, God, who was invisible, is getting ready to become visible. And now salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah is now breaking onto the scene. Why? Watch this now. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters. What does he do? Accuses them before our God day and night has been cast or hurled down. Hallelujah. That day is happening in the future. <clears throat> the day will come in the book of Revelation when time begins to unfold the experiences that we've been talking about, that there will be a war in heaven, that Satan will be cast down, and that the accuser of the brothers and sisters will be cast out. Now, you all, we are not in that era yet. Now, for those of you that are watching this and you're in the periods of time that we've been talking about in the book of Revelation, if you've already seen these two witnesses die and get back up and then vanish, and you've seen the wars that are breaking out and the, the great uh, natural occurrences that are happening in the, uh, in the climate and with uh, the earth, 
then you can say, oh, man, I think this is the, this is the time that the war was happening in heaven. And you can begin to look at that. But, but we're in 2021 as we're recording this. And, and you know what? Right now, you all listen. He's still the accuser of the brothers and sisters of Christ. And guess what he does, my brothers? Guess what he does, my sisters? He accuses you before God. Listen, day and night. The enemy never, ever stops standing before God, accusing you to God. That is his role. That is his job. And although we see in this text that the day will come that that accusation access will be denied, he will no longer have the ability to stand before God and do that. Right now, in this dispensation in which we still live, that is what the enemy is doing. And hear me well now. As the enemy is accusing you before God, the worst thing you can do is start accusing yourself with the enemy before God. Let me say that again. As the enemy, Satan, is in heaven telling God she ain't worth it. He ain't worth it. Look at him. Look at him. See what I'm saying? They're not, they're not even a Christian. They're not your, how, how are they a believer? Look at her. Look. Just see what he just did? Accu- accusing you. Listen, day and night. The worst thing that you can do, because by the way, as he's accusing you before God, God, all he sees on you is the blood of his son. (laughs) All he sees on you is that you're forgiven. And there is therefore now no condemnation. But when you don't know that, listen now, you and I will find ourselves condemning ourselves like Satan condemns us before God. It is a tool, it is a tactic of the enemy that you and I would join the ranks of the devil in accusing ourselves because that's what he is an accuser of the brethren. I'm real careful about what I say about people. I'm real careful about how I use my words about people, right? Because you all, I don't ever want to be an accuser of the brothers. And so, Listen, I, I want to give people the benefit of a doubt. You know what? It's amazing to me when people say stuff to me like, uh, this is, the so-and-so did this, and you know, I, I know why they did it. I'm like, oh, wow, you're God. <laughs> you know the intents and purposes of people's heart. You, you know the motive of why they did it. You are so deep. You are so in tune with God that you know the heart behind why a person did that. Somebody, they came in there and they moved it. I put that over there and they moved it. I know what they're trying to do. They're they trying to say I ain't no good. Who say, who's saying that? Is that what they're saying or is that what you're thinking and you're placing it on them? My, my prayer partner would call that, uh, he said, my, my prayer partner would tell me, oh, man, you're at the movies again, huh? I'm like, the movies? He said, project, you, you, projecting, you're projecting, you're projecting again. In other words, whatever it is that you're thinking, you're saying that that's what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking what you're thinking. It says, the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. What a joyous day that will be when the accuser is hurled down. But you all, before we get to that day, (laughs) before we get to the day where the war breaks out in heaven, before we get to the day that Michael and his archangels overpower the dragon and the devil, before we get to the day that the enemy no longer has access before God, I encourage you 
I encourage me, I encourage us. Listen, let's cast the enemy down. Let's hurl him down in our hearts. Let's hurl him down in our minds so that he, even though he still may be accusing, we are not joining the accusing ranks. I'm not going to accuse myself before God when I have been accepted by God. I'm not going to accuse myself before God when I have been loved and sacrificed by the greatest uh, love that could be given by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm not going to line myself up with the accuser. I'm going to line myself up with the one who's accepted me. Verse 11. They triumphed over him. So where, where, where's the, 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 the dynamic trio? I'm glad you asked. Here it is. They triumphed over him. Over who? The devil. They triumphed over the devil. Well, how in the world can I triumph over the devil? I, Pastor, could you give me an idea of what I could use or what I could have that would help me triumph over the devil? I'm so glad that you asked. They overcame him by these three things. The blood of the lamb. <laughs> you hear me talk about it. And I see some people almost tired of it. So, oh, there he goes talking about that blood again. Oh, there he goes. That, oh, that he's always talking about blood, blood, blood. What kind of preacher is this? It's so, so morbid. Blood, blood. Listen, you all, I need you to turn if you don't mind. I mean, please, we're in church. I turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9 and 22. It says in the NIV, in fact, listen, the law requires that nearly everything is cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You hear that? He says it requires that everything is. Uh, let me read this to the Good News Bible. Uh, same, same text. Indeed. According to the law, almost everything is purified by blood, and sins are forgiven only if blood is poured out. All right? So the Scripture says that unless there is the pouring out or the shedding of blood, listen, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now, so many of us, you all, again, this is 2021, and what, 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 what blood are you talking about? What forgiveness? I mean, what is all of that about? Pastor, I hear what you're talking about, but I don't understand why blood is important. What do you mean blood? What do you mean the sacrifice of blood? Why, why is that important uh, for me to be right with God? And you all, I know it's like a beat. I'm, I'm, it's a record that I play all the time, but I believe that many people are not theologically aware of what it means to be forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But you all, the Bible says in the Old Testament that life is in the blood. Do me, do me a favor. Uh, take all the blood out your body and see how long you live. Take, no, 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 no. You're, I, don't, I don't hear no more about no blood. I'm tired of hearing about blood. Take all your blood out your body and see uh, if you still are able to understand anything. You, you know why, you, know, you, know why you, you, you would not be able to understand anything if all the blood is out your body? Because you will be dead. <laughs> you, you need blood to live. Life is in the blood. So when God decided to find out what would he use, what could he possibly um, use as an example of something that is so essential to life, so that by the shedding of it, 
life could be given. And he said, it's in the blood. Life is in the blood. So then with the sacrificing or the shedding or the pouring out of life or the pouring out of blood, there will be then, in God's view, forgiveness of sin. Well, I don't know why he did it that way. Talk that over with him when you get to heaven, why he chose that. I don't know why he chose it either, but that's what he chose. He chose, listen, that there would be no forgiveness except there would be the shedding of blood. Are you following me? And so you all, it is critical to know that when we talk about the blood of the lamb, we are talking about Jesus's blood as the means by which you and I can overcome Satan. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Romans 5 and 9. I know I'm all over the place with the Bible today, but it's church and we read the Bible. I mean, it's kind of what you do when you go to church, you read the Bible. All right. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Romans 5 and 9. Watch this now. Since we have been justified. Let me start with that. Justified means I have been made right. J judgment, judgment has been executed. I have been adjudicated. I have been justified, right? Now, since we have been justified by what? What makes, listen, what makes me right? What makes me justified? I've been justified by his blood. How much more then shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Notice what he says. Those of us who've accepted Jesus Christ as the son of God who shed, poured out his blood for us, and have by faith, listen, by faith said, yes, Jesus, I accept you as my savior. I acknowledge what you did in that act of surrender, that act of acceptance. We now have received that poured out blood on our soul. And now that we have received this blood, listen, my brother and sister, you have been made right with God. You are justified by his blood. And as a result, you are saved from God's wrath. Those who are not covered in his blood cannot be spared from his judgment or his wrath. The wages or the payment of sin is death. The wages or the payment of sin is death. And all have sin, which means that all will die unless something happens to help us not be sinful. And the only thing that can happen to help you and I not be sinful is the blood of Jesus. You all, um, I, I'm afraid that many of us don't have a theology, a view of God that will sustain us through the rough times. Because many Christians, listen, many Christians have feel-good excerpts <laughs> from preachers and songs that are not steeped in a theological, biblical underpinning of God. So that not if, but when hell breaks loose, you don't know how to interpret it because you don't have a right lens of scripture to help you know how to look at it. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know what has happened? You have received the blood of Jesus.
And that blood, listen, that blood spares you from the wrath of God. You are spared from the judgment of God by the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean? It means that you overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. I'm washed in the blood. You hear what I'm saying to you? Uh, this lady came to me when I was in Chicago. <coughs> she was uh, from New Orleans. I don't know if you ever met uh, a voodoo person. She said, oh, Basta, I'm going to put a hex on you. I'm going to put a hex on you. I'm going to go around your house, put some pepper. I'm going to put some pepper and some salt on your door. I'm going to put a hex on you. Uh, I, she said, no, this is, I'm going to put a curse on you. I said, well, curse is the man that hang on the tree. And I have been redeemed from every curse. And I am covered in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, touch not God's anointed, neither lay hand on his elect. When you know who you are, when the devil starts trying to throw some crazy stuff up in your face, you can come back to him and say, you know what? I may not be perfect. I may not have every, every I dotted and every T crossed. But you know one thing that I do know? I do know that I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I just wonder, is there anybody that's listening that has been washed in the blood of Jesus? If you have been washed, can I tell you what? You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are not condemned. And you are spared from the wrath of God. And that by itself overcomes the devil. I don't know about you, but when the devil comes in like a flood, the Bible says God lifts up a standard. Well, what is that standard? That standard could be a revelation about who God is. That standard could be a biblical understanding about who you are in God. So when the devil acts crazy, you can come crazy back. Crazy, no crazy. Let me tell you something, devil. I know you think you got me, but you don't know who you're dealing with. You're dealing with a blood-washed, blood-drenched believer, and you can't lay no harm on God's elect. When you know who you are, it changes your attitude. <laughs> Y'all heard me talk about this story before. Uh, I'll say it again. Uh, uh, William Watson, uh, my friend forever, because Charles Alex, uh, uh, he was a little guy in school, would take my lunch money every day. Took my lunch money. Give me your money. Little, little, little thug guy, and he took my money. As a matter of fact, every time I saw him, I just started giving him money. I didn't, he, didn't, he didn't have to ask me no more. I just, and I saw him. I'm like, I'd be hungry every day at school. No money, because he took my money. Uh, pretty good at school work, and I was helping William Watson with his work one day, and uh, William said, man, I passed the test, uh, Harvey. Uh, uh, what can I, William, by the way, uh, in grammar school was about six feet tall. He said, William said, uh, Harvey, what can I do for you? You helped me pass the test. What can I, you, do you need anything? I said, uh, yeah. Would you do me a favor? Would you walk with me uh, on my way to school? You live near me. Uh, just, you ain't got to walk like with me, but just kind of hang back and, you know, walk with me. He said, oh, man, I, in the morning, I got you. I'll be there. The next morning when I got up you all I had a different way of walking I had a different attitude about myself as a matter of fact I was waiting to see Charles I was not waiting uh, in fear but I was looking with expectation to see Charles and when I saw Charles coming down the street I said I ain't giving you no money 
And Charles looked at me like I was crazy. Uh, he said, dude, I'm about to kill you, man. What you mean? I'm about, he said, I'm about, to, I'm about to knock your head off. And I just said, William. And William came and stood behind me, and he towered over me, looking down at Charles. Charles looking up at William, looking at me. He said, I was just kidding. What changed from one day to the next was who was walking with me. What changed from one day to the next was the revelation of what I, who I knew was in my corner. And I came to tell somebody that is overwhelmed and discouraged that you are not alone, you are not by yourself, but you've got the blood of the lamb working with you, and the blood still works. It works. The blood has power. As a matter of fact, I dare you to plead the blood of Jesus over your life, and plead the blood of Jesus over your children, and plead the blood of Jesus over your affairs, and plead the blood of Jesus over everything that you do, because the enemy, when he sees the blood, it reminds him of his defeat, and it reminds him of who you are. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Amen. But not only that, they, they overcame him by the word of their testimony. Turn to uh, Psalms 107 verse 2. Psalms 107 verse 2. Hallelujah. I hope this is making sense to somebody. Psalms 107 verse 2. I'm going to read from the uh, Amplified. You've heard me say this many times. Uh, but this is the actual verse. I want you, Psalms 107.2. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. He says, let those who have been brought out of something say something. Let those who've been redeemed say so. It is amazing to me. How people who God has done what he's done for you are so quiet. It is amazing to me that those of you all that God has worked a miracle for and brought you up out of a horrible pit. You were losing your mind. You were going crazy and he held things together. People around you leaving you by yourself, but yet he sustained you. He opened the door for you to have money. Some of y'all ain't worked in months, but bills are still paid. Utilities paid, car note paid, house note paid, and you have the nerve to not open your mouth and tell somebody I got a testimony God made a way out of no way it amazes me people that have seen their children go through high school and grammar school and go to college and did not turn away from God or did not go crazy but God kept your baby God kept your children and you don't have a testimony I wonder how many of you all if you have a testimony are you being quiet about it I, I want to be done like social media because social media is so trivial sometimes to me. Oh, I, I, I like your, uh, your dinner. I don't care about what you ate. I want to see a picture of that. That's, that's, uh, if, if somebody can tweet a picture of what they ate and society likes it, I wonder what would happen if you tweeted a picture of what God has done. I wonder if you explained to people what the Lord has done in your life. Because the Bible says, listen, we overcome the devil, what? By being redeemed by the blood, being washed by the blood, being justified by the blood, being kept from wrath by the blood, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. You all, there used to be a time in church where they had testimony service. 
No, it's new, this new era of church. You know, I don't want to hear nobody's stuff. I'm, I, I, I want to hear my favorite songs. I want to hear my songs. People don't want to hear testimonies anymore because they don't understand the power of testimonies. Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, verse 39. Luke chapter 8, verse 39, if you don't mind uh, turning that. Um, Luke 8, 39 says, Jesus says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Mm. I wonder why we don't have people running all over Detroit telling Detroit what Jesus has done for me. I wonder why we don't have people who are so grateful. You know why? Because I don't believe you believe Jesus did it for you. I believe you think you did it for you. And therefore, there's no need to tell anybody that Jesus did it because you think, listen, you think you are paying your bills. Therefore, there's no need to give glory to Jesus because, well, I go to work every day and it's me. You think that everything that's going on in your world has to do with everything other than Jesus. So therefore, it's hard to give praise to Jesus because you really don't believe that's from Jesus. <laughs> I came to tell you that everything that you and I are experiencing is because of the grace of God. Every blessing, every door open, every provision is because God has been good to us. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Pastor, why are you always so loud? I don't care if you're in a white church, a black church. I don't care if it's uh, wintertime, summertime. Why are you always so excited and why are you always so loud? Can I tell you one of the reasons why because when I was lost I gave my everything to a serpent a, a devil who did not care anything about me I danced till I couldn't dance no more I know some of y'all don't know nothing about dancing and being in the world but when I was in the world I gave the world my all I gave the world my extra and the moment that I got saved I did not stop giving God my all when I think about how good God has been to me when I think about the doors that he's opened for me when I think about the way he raised me up from my sick bed, when I think about the time that he regulated my mind, when I think about the time how he kept me in the midnight hour, when I think about the time that when everybody else walked out on me, God walked in, when I think about the time when I moved to Detroit not knowing one person, now you watching CitadelaFaith.org, my soul cries out, what a mighty God I serve. I wonder is there anybody watching that's willing to give God a praise for what he has done in your life let the redeem let the redeem let the redeem of the lord say something say something say something Say something, say something. Listen, you all, I don't know if it's going to get no better. It may not get no better, but if it never gets any better, he's been good enough to me already to deserve the rest of my praise. Oh, God. Well, Pastor, there you go. You're so loud, so loud. I just wanted, does anybody say that at a Beyonce concert? Oh, they're, just, they're so loud at this concert. I wonder, when, 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 when the Tigers get ready to play, <clears throat> Does anybody say, oh, so loud? Nobody in the world gets upset about their loudness for things that don't matter. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Here's, here's, here's a challenge. Here's a challenge. We overcome the devil. Listen, we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word, listen, not of my testimony, the word of your testimony. I wonder. 
I wonder how much the devil is not being overcome and how that's directly connected to your lack of telling your testimony. We overcome the devil by our testimony. Mm. And I wonder how many of us are not overcoming the devil because we're too ashamed or too afraid to share our testimony. You know why the church doesn't have more people in it sometimes? Because church folk, once they get saved, they act like they've always been saved. They act like they always knew the Bible. I, well, praise God, I'm on my way to church. Well, that's what you do now, but what did you do? What has the Lord saved you from? What, who do you used to be? <laughs> not, not, the, not the PG version. <laughs> who did you used to be? And what has God, by his miraculous hand, and listen, you're still a work in progress. Nobody's arrived. But, but you know that you know I'm not what I used to be. And now I want to share my testimony. Oh, I'm about to say, I'm about to say it in a second. I you, you, are, you got ahead of me. I'm so excited that in the next few weeks, you're going to hear a testimony from one of our members who's been literally praying and asking for several months, I want to tell my story. And I'm like, oh, man. First of all, as a pastor, very few people have even come to me saying that they want to share their story. I'm talking about the real story, not, you know, well, praise God, I got up this morning, and you know, I have bad feet, but you know, today, my feet, what, you know, God did something because my feet don't hurt today. You know, ain't nothing wrong with that. Praise God for feet not hurting. I'm talking about testimonies that will change people's lives. Do you know some of y'all that are watching? Listen, brothers, you were whoremongers. Yeah, you were. But God. Some of y'all were addicts. But God. Some of you all were so deep in the world that you were so evil. But God. And wouldn't it be amazing if we would be strong enough to say, look at what God has done. I'm not perfect, but I want to overcome the devil by the word of my testimony. Does anybody have a testimony? Is anybody, is anybody listening to me that has a story to tell? Were you lost and are you now found? Were you bound and are you now free? Were you hopeless and are you now filled with the hope of God? Were you lonely and now you may still be alone but no longer lonely? Is God with you? Do you have a testimony to share? The Bible says this man went out and told everybody in the town what the Lord had done for him. The dynamic trio, the blood of the lamb, number one, the word of their testimony, number two, and number three, they didn't love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. This is a reference to those in the great tribulation because you do know that the tribulation will occur and it will be unbelievable. The Holy Spirit will be absent from the earth after the rapture has occurred. All the believers will be gone and there will be people that will come to faith in that season in the tribulation. And they, even in the face of death, will choose Jesus even in the face of death. But I believe the Bible tells us that we are called by God to die daily. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31. So important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
Thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Listen to the Amplified. It says this, I assure you, believers, by the pride which I have in you, in your union with Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. I face death and die to self. He says, one of the three things that overcomes the devil, the blood of the lamb, right? The word of our testimony. And look at this. He says, I face death and die to self every day. He says, they, they did not love their lives so much that they shrunk away from making the decision to die. Now, you all, God is not asking you right now to figure out how you're going to go and kill yourself or die. Because for some of us, that would be easier than dying daily. <laughs> some of us would rather be martyred once than die daily. Wow, let me say that again. Some of us would rather be martyred once than to die daily. God invites you and me into taking on the nature of Christ who did what? Took up, listen, listen, took up his cross. Oh, my God. Oh, God, I feel this. I don't know what your cross is, but you can't escape it. I don't know what God has asked you to carry, but you can't escape it. I don't know how tired you are from having to pick up that cross. But that is the way, of, the way of being a Christian, to pick up your cross. Not my cross, I picked up mine. But pick up your cross and follow me. And I don't know how tiring that is sometimes to every day have to pick up your cross. And what I love about the scriptures is that even Jesus, who got so tired, got so tired that he fell under the weight of his cross. Then God sent Simeon to come alongside of him to help him, to help him carry his cross. I wonder what kind of friends do you have that help you carry your cross? They don't try to remove your cross because they can't. But they just help lighten the load a little bit. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you want to be a disciple of mine, he who loves his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Paul says, I die daily. Now I wonder what does God invite you every day to die to? I wonder what does God invite you and me every day to make the conscious decision that I choose to die to self? I, try to, I choose to die to how I feel. They hurt me. They, they made me mad. They, they don't like me, and they're upset about me, 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 everything, me. I die to me. I die to myself so that the life of God might be revealed. 
I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I just encourage those of you who have chosen to pick up your cross and to follow him, that you die every day. I, I, I feel the spirit in this moment, and I, 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 I had some other points that I was going to share. I'm going to merge that into my next message because I just feel this is, this is a space that we need to sit in for a minute. First of all, I just want you to know that there's a real accuser who stands before God day and night and says you're not good enough. There's a real accuser who stands before God day and night and tells God, please give up on her. Please stop wasting your time with him. But I thank God that the scriptures tell us that we can overcome him. <laughs> we can overcome that liar, that accuser of the brethren. But pastor, how can we overcome him by this dynamic trio? Three things you can do to practically overcome him. Number one, just thank, thank God for the blood of Jesus that covers you that washes you and me, that makes us righteous. We're not righteous. It makes us that. It, it justifies us. It, it wipes the slate clean so that we're not coming to God guilty. We can come to the throne of grace boldly to obtain favor in time of need. Why? Because we know that the blood has cleansed us. We overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. We also overcome the devil, listen, by the word of our testimony. Not only do we testify so that others could be blessed, but it reminds us, listen, if he did it before, he'll do it again. The testimony reminds me that God has done things before for me. It may be tough right now. It may not be clear right now what the outcome will be, but if I can look at God's track record, I've seen what he's done. I've seen his work. And if the same God that did it then, he'll do it now. He'll do it again. We overcome the devil by the word of our testimony, but finally we overcome by choosing to not love our lives so much that we're not willing to face death. I wonder how many of us love our lives so much that we're not willing to die to self. It's a decision. It's a decision. And my brother, my sister, for some of you, you're like, why do I have to always be the one dying to self? Why won't everybody else die to self? If everybody else starts dying to self, then I'll die to self. That's not how it works. If you commit to do those things, the Bible says we overcome the devil. And so I pray today for overcoming power. But for those that are watching and you've never given your life to Jesus, you have not been washed in his blood yet. And what an opportunity for you if you're listening to have a chance to 
have this blood of Jesus Christ, this forgiving, cleansing, adjudicating blood make you and me right with God. You have a chance to do that by accepting Jesus as your Savior. What does that mean? As the one who I know can lead me forward. I can't do this on my own. I need someone greater than me. Jesus, he can do that. You won't know all the answers because I don't know. No one knows all the answers but God. Everything won't be perfect. No, but guess what? You will have Jesus walking with you. Give me a life with Jesus in it more than a thousand lives without him in it. Heads about, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for reminding us in your word today that the day will come that Satan will be cast out of your presence once and for all. No longer access to heaven. In the meantime, we know that he is an accuser. He stands every single day and night, 24 hours a day, no breaks, accusing, accusing, accusing us. But thank you that we can overcome him. We can overcome him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, by our decision to not love our life so much that we're not willing to face the daily decisions to die to self. And so now, God, would you hear your servant as she or he reaches out to you in prayer, asking that you would be their savior. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That's simply spelled C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith.org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.